Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody this morning? Happy Sunday morning to you. It is great to see everybody. And doesn't it feel nice and cool in here? Isn't this better than previous years when we were uh, completely hot and everything like that? So God has been good to us. We will be giving him thanks for our air conditioning for a long time. So don't say I'm getting tired of hearing about it because I'm not. I'm excited that it is nice and cool inside the building. All right. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith over uh, the United States of America. Can we stand up together today? Praise God. We're going to stand up together. And we believe that America is coming to Jesus. Who believes that with me? Yes, we believe that. So let's speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Well, speaking of America, there's a couple of important birthdays coming up. Number one, the birthday of our nation, right? Founded on Jesus. Woohoo! So July 4th is coming and there is no PM service because it's on a Sunday. So just make sure that you're, you know, watching fireworks and thanking Jesus that you live in freedom, right? So that's what we're doing that Sunday night. Um, Sunday night, July 18th is another really important day after a birthday, but we're doing a big party for Pastor Sample's birthday. Woo! So, yeah, it's a big, important birthday. So we are going to do a big family party and there is a sign up sheet here for if you would like to help be a part of that. We're going to do a big pitch in cookout thing, Robert Deere. Sir, can you come past this? (laughs) Sorry. So um, if you would like to sign up on there, make sure to put your name and your phone number. And we'll do a big pitch in dinner that day and have a huge, huge birthday cake. It'll be fun. It'll be really good. Um, In other news, the youth group is taking a trip. In case you haven't heard that the other 900 times that I've mentioned it, if your student hasn't completed their registration, Wednesday is your deadline. So please go ahead and do that. Also, this Wednesday, we're doing a tie-dye party. It's our cheap way of making sure we all have t-shirts for our trip. So we are doing a tie-dye party. So they need to bring a white t-shirt with them this Wednesday and make sure that they are registered. Speaking of t-shirts, do you all still have your church t-shirts? Do you? Okay, like three of you raised your hand. Guess what? I do not have a church t-shirt anymore. You know, sometimes you change sizes and sometimes the laundry goes bad. Anyway, we are ordering more church t-shirts. And in conjunction with the Olympics, we're going to do another t-shirt contest so you can win your, your medals. Okay, so make sure to sign up at the bookstore for new church t-shirts and to be a part of the church 
t-shirt contest. It's ridiculous and super fun. Yes, it gets really intense, and I've already got a few people telling me their ideas for the contest, so I'm just telling you, you're going to have to bring your A game this year if you want to win, all right? Now, you may remember the last time we did the contest was the Winter Olympics of 2018, and it was the, the, it got, it got really intense. Did any of you remember the last t-shirt contest? Okay, so if you don't remember what it is, uh, everybody, you get your High Desert Word Center t-shirt, and it's a social media contest. You take the best pictures you can take of you and your t-shirt. There's no limit. You can take as many as, as you want, post as many times as you want, but you, uh, you, you need to tag the church in it so we, you know, so we see it, and then we will vote, uh, at the end of the Olympics on it, and last time, you don't want to miss this. Last time there was a cash prize of $16.41. Okay, so y'all need to pray that Pastor Dave has more in his pocket the next time you finish this. That's a combo. That's one combo meal at Carl's Jr. these days. That's a big deal. So listen to me. Uh, So there will be another cash prize. We haven't determined what it is. I've heard rumors it could reach $17 or $18. So it's going to be big. And of course... um, the, the biggest prize is what maybe people in the world would call bragging rights. But we're Christians, so we're not going to call it that. We're going to call them, you get the rejoicing rights, okay? So you can win 17 18 maybe even $19 and rejoicing rights for the next, uh, well, until the next Olympics. So anyway, you want to be involved in this. The t-shirts are on sale um, right now. We're pre-ordering because I'll place the order in about two weeks. But go to the bookstore after service if you don't have an HDWC t-shirt yet. Make sure you get one because you're going to want this, all right? Who wants in on the competition this year? You should all I'm enjoy not feeling it. So, that. <laughs> really, okay, really, the idea is that you're getting people into church, yeah, okay? That's, a great that's way really what you're doing. So if you're the quiet one at the grocery store where you're like, oh, I would tell them, I would invite them to church, but I just feel nervous. Then you go take ridiculous pictures of yourself in your t-shirt Boom. and you're inviting people to church. The t-shirt so, does all the work. Yeah. The t-shirt does all the so work. So it's witnessing, okay? So don't get too weird about your rejoicing rights in your t-shirt. Um, speaking of other holy things, um, we did an amazing, well, not we, our, our media team did an amazing children's church video to show you what goes on in those classrooms and to show you why children's ministry is so important to our heart as a church family and our mission in serving the Lord. So we will show you that. And if you are interested in being a part of what you see, please stop us after service um, or there are helps applications on the info booth and we can get you involved in those areas. But we wanted to make sure that you got to see that it wasn't you having to hold a microphone teaching or you vacuuming the whole time, that there is a whole lot that goes into that and a whole lot of opportunity for you to use your gifts and talents to bring children up in knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Go ahead and let's watch the Children's Church video. And Alex and his friend Vic made this. Vic runs a professional media company. And so it's a great video. But uh, absolutely, we want you to see why we're so excited about children at High Desert Word Center. All right, go ahead. Jam nerd. 
children's ministry because I love seeing the kids smiling faces <laughs> and I they teach me a lot more than I teach them I enjoy working in children's ministry because the kids bring so much joy and happiness hi and welcome to jam junior part about being in Jam Junior is being able to teach the kids about God. Hi guys, welcome to Jam. What's your favorite part of coming to children's church? My favorite part about coming to children's church is learning stuff that I can actually understand and being close with my friends and playing games. Why do you like coming to children's church? It's fun. working in children's ministry because this sets a foundation for raising the kids in God. I work in children's church because I like watching the kids learn about God. It's a great opportunity. My favorite thing about children's church is the fact that I get to teach the kids and hear their answers or thoughts on the Word of God. Children have such a unique thought process that it's so pure and innocent and to hear what they feel the Word means to them is an awesome thing. Very good, very good. So, that's just a little peek of what
goes on with the kids ministry here and we love, love, love our kids. God has blessed us with a multitude of children at High Desert Word Center. And so I just encourage you, if, if God's laid it on your heart, we want even more help in there so we can get the job done and raise these kids the right way. Amen. Let's hear it for our kids and our kids ministry one more time. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up this morning. It's time for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. So what time is that? It is happy time. Amen. Let's receive our tithes and offerings. Thank you, son. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here. Well, hi there, everybody on the back. Well, hi. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? And you got your little man with you, huh? Awesome. All right. Yay. All right. Well, hallelujah. Okay. If you need an envelope this morning, actually you're going to need two envelopes because last Sunday was Mission Sunday, but because of Father's Day we didn't do it. So this Sunday is Mission Sunday. So you need two envelopes, one for your regular tithes and offerings and one for missions. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand real high so our ushers can see you and they will be more than happy to give you an offering envelope. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about, uh, missions. First of all, all of the missions that we, missionaries that we support are on the board over there. That's our missions board. The Niles, Liz and Dana will be here Sunday, August the 1st. Now the thing that's going on with our, yeah, amen. The thing that's going on with most of our missionaries is that they're trying to get overseas. And so, uh, uh Dana Nile, uh, went to Nepal recently had trouble traveling around in the country and stuff like that because of the COVID thing. And they're all looking to be able to get out back into the world. The Niles said that they want to be able to get into the Philippines. The Philippines should be opening up pretty soon and just different things like that. And Tony Cook's been doing a lot of things on Zoom around the world with, with different missionary people. But all of these guys and gals, they want to get back into the countries. And so... You know, just be believing for them that they're going to be able to do that because that's that's what they really want to do is get back into the country. Um, I want to look at uh, Malachi chapter 3 today for our tithes and for our offering scripture. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the most awesome tithing scripture that we have. Malachi chapter 3, I'm in the New King James. Beginning in verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? And you know, if you stop and you think about that question, you think, well, that's, that's kind of a ridiculous question. Well, who would rob God, number one? And number two, how do you rob God? Well, then he says, you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. So we need to be a tither, number one. That means that 10% of your gross income needs to come into the house of the Lord. Whether you come to High Desert Word Center, whether you go to the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, wherever your home church is, that's where your tithe needs to go. And then on top of that, the Bible says you're supposed to give offerings. Well, today's a perfect opportunity with our missions giving. And so that's an offering that we give into missions. But he says here that if we aren't tithes and offerings, now you know sometimes the Bible has a lot of heavy stuff to say. If we're not tithers and give offerings, the verse 9 says that we're cursed with a curse. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like being cursed. I like walking in the blessings of God. But the Lord has a certain way that we walk in the blessings of God. And we have to do things His way in order to receive the blessings. Why are we cursed with a curse? Verse 9, He says, because we have robbed Him, even this whole nation. 
And verse 10, he says this. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food or meat in the house. You know, I mean, this place doesn't run by itself. It has a mortgage in Jesus' name. The mortgage is going to get paid off quickly, 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 because I don't like debt. We've got electric bills. You know, we just got through spending $60,000 in cash on all these new units. And you know what I like best about these high-vac units is that they're not loud. Remember, the other ones were so loud that when the when the pastors got up to speak, I mean, and those things were just roaring in the background, you had to kind of kind of really focus and tune in because you thought, man, I can't hardly hear the speaker because of this roaring noise all over the place. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't run itself. And then, and then, uh, several of us are, this is our, this is our, this is our calling, but we also get paid for our calling, you know, so we're on salary here. So anyway, that's what runs the church. And then he says, try me now. This is the only scripture in the Bible that says, you go ahead and you prove me. I dare you. He says, you prove me. If you start tithing, if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't even have room enough to receive it. And the thing about God is those blessings just keep coming and coming and coming, just like those waves that come in off the sea. I mean, he, you can't outgive God. You can't outbless God because he's the big blesser and he's blessing you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Pastor wanted me to show you uh, this book from the bookstore. It's called What Always Precedes a Major Move of God. This pastor in my book. If you haven't got a copy of it yet, you need to. Do you recognize your position in relevance to the times? Once again, I want to tell you, we are living in the last days. Does anybody realize that? Or are you out here in la-la land doing what the Bible says, eating and drinking and giving in marriage, you know, just having a la-la time, and you don't realize what the day is? If you don't realize what the day is, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the day? Well, these are the last days, the last of the last days, and we've got a job to do for Jesus Christ. And this book, Pastor showed, I mean, the Holy Ghost showed Pastor all this stuff back in the year 2000. So this is stuff from the year of 2000 that was from his journal, and we and we wrote that all up. Okay, so y'all ready to receive our tithes and offerings and to say our financial faith confession? That one. Okay. We As we bring the Lord's tithes and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand up. At the altar, we're going to sing together. If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that is passing is not worth. Completely consumes me. I can't get it.
Jesus. Every need is yours. You can have it all. Take over like all that you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like all that you can. Every need is yours. You can have it all. Take over like all that you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like all that you Son to 
shine on darkest night for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus we love you oh how we
Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one, God. Our hearts adore. Our hearts adore. Our hearts adore. Our hearts adore. Let's just raise our hands and sing this. Our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion. Poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion. Poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. We love you. Let's all sing that out. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. Our hearts adore. Sing, Jesus, I love you. Sing that out. And Jesus, I love you. the one my my 
heart adores. One last time, that sounds so good. Sing it, Jesus. And Jesus, I love you. Oh, how I love you. And you are the one, my, my heart Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We know you're the absolute answer to every question that every person on the whole earth has now. We know you're the answer to every problem. You've got everything that everyone would ever need to not only succeed in this life, but especially to make heaven their home when they take their last breath. And Father, we're so grateful to be in a church like this that teaches about Jesus, that teaches about the covenant that you made available to all mankind. And Lord, we know we access that covenant through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. And we just want to thank you and praise you, Father, that we get to be here today in your holy presence again, fellowshipping one with another, lifting up that mighty name, hearing your word, and just listen with our hearts, Lord, because you said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. We get to listen in our hearts, Lord, to what you say to us personally. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pastor Dave's going to be minister of the word today, but the Lord uh, spoke to me last week for some things he wants me to say to Chuck. So, Chuck, if you come down. And I want you to open up your Bibles, First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 14. I want to show you something. First Corinthians chapter 14. A lot of times, I know that from when I was a new Christian, back in 1980, and, uh, my only experiences have been with the Baptist church. And the Baptist church, they didn't speak in tongues. They didn't have the gifts of the Holy Ghost in operation. So when I, when I come to this Holy Ghost church back in 1980, they started doing things like I'm getting ready to do now, and I didn't have a clue what was going on because they never taught me the Baptist church. So I'm getting ready to speak what we call, I'm going to give a word to Chuck. And because if you've never been around this kind of thing, you think, what's a word? Well, look at First Corinthians chapter 14. I want to show you what we're talking about. And then also after, after I speak into Chuck's life by the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give the opportunity to some of you for what we're going to talk about. If you need prayer, I want to lay hands on you. But First Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Follow after love, says desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. And I'm going to be prophesying to Chuck, but it says desire spiritual gifts, but rather or especially you may prophesy. So see, this is a Bible thing for New Testament believers. It says, For he that speaketh an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh. It says, When you're speaking an unknown tongue, you're speaking in the Spirit to God. And it says, What do you speak? You're speaking mysteries, divine secrets. So when you get to a church like this, and you hear somebody speaking in tongues, says they're speaking to God. But we'll show you the purpose of this. Verse 3 says, He that prophesies... Speaketh unto men. 
to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when we're giving a word to somebody that the Bible calls prophecy, it's not something out of a man's head. It's by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A prophecy is an inspiration from the Holy Spirit in a language we understand. And a tongue is inspiration by the Holy Spirit in a language we don't understand. So he says, verse 4, He that speaketh an unknown tongue edifies himself. That means builds up himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret. Except he interpret. That the church may receive edified. So what he's saying there is that when we prophesy to a person by the Holy Spirit, we're not necessarily foretelling the, foretelling the future, telling them what to do. But it says we speak to them to edify, exhort, that means encourage, and to comfort. And then he says, then he says, that if you speak in a tongue and you interpret the tongue, that says that's equivalent to prophecy. So at a church service, when somebody gives a tongue, then if it's a God tongue, then somebody's got the interpretation, and then says that's going to be the same thing as prophesying the interpretation. It's going to be speaking to them to edify them, exhort them, and encourage them. And so I'm going to speak some things into Chuck in a minute. The Holy Ghost gave them to me last week, and Chuck, Chuck wasn't here. He was out of town. And so when he wasn't here, I said, well, Lord, I know that It'll hold. It'll keep. And so I forgot all about that this morning when I was getting ready from church. I just prayed about church because Pastor Dave preaches and I sit right there. Then the Lord reminded me, you got that word for Chuck. And so I pulled it out and looked at it. And then I realized that for our church to be all God wants it to be, he doesn't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And so I said that for people that may not understand spiritual things. This is not something that I just thought... You know what? I think I want to bless Chuck today. No, the Holy Ghost wants to say something to Chuck today. And then also, also as I speak into Chuck's life as we worship in God, the Lord put this in my heart, that if there's some of you in here that feel that there's more you know you're supposed to be doing, then I'm going to pray for you after I pray for Chuck. But if you know you've got something in your heart, something to do besides just being a church attender or just coming to church and doing things in the church but you know there's more God wants you to outside the four walls that want to lay hands on you because God wants it out there when he sent out the twelve apostles then says he sent seventy more and so there's more than just preachers up here there's preachers out there amen amen but Chuck as, as, as I pray for you in just a minute I'm, I'm going to read Proverbs I can quote it but I want to look at it Proverbs eighteen sixteen. you put that on the screen Heather Proverbs eighteen sixteen. Last last week when I was tying my tie right before I was going to walk out the door, I mind my own business. I wasn't thinking about Chuck. So I was at a salt Chuck. And I heard God say something he wants to tell Chuck. So Proverbs eighteen sixteen says this A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him, brings him before great men. So what God's wanting to tell you, Chuck, and I know you got things in your heart because God put them there. So God, God said to tell you this. God's the one that put the gift there. And you don't have to worry about all the natural promotion you can do because God's the one that made the gift there. He's the one that's going to bring it to you. You don't have to try to make it happen. 
because he wants it to happen more than you want it to happen because he's the one that initiated it. And so your gift, your gift, it's not Chuck, it's a gift from God, but it's yours now, and you're the steward of it to use what God's given you. And so God said, right now this world is so messed up. There's people out there right now crying out for answers. They're confused. They're messed up. They're in turmoil. They don't know what to do. And they're not coming in the doors. So that's why God's raising up people like you to go out to where they are. And so God said to tell you, in no uncertain terms, he said to tell you, don't try to make it happen. The gift will make it happen. That gift from him, he put it in there, and that gift is going to open the doors. You can muddy the waters if you get in his way. It's from God. It's not a Chuck thing. And, you know, you've waited a long time. You've been patient for a long time. And I like something Brother Hagen always said, preparation time is never wasted time. All these things you've learned over years in the natural and the spiritual realm are coming together for a time such as this. This is the last days. And like Mrs. Pastor said, that word the Lord gave me 21 years ago, do you recognize your position in relevance to the times? You recognize your position. You've trained for it. You're just about to that place where those things are going to break loose. So don't get impatient and jump out there too soon because if you do, you're going to cause a delay. Amen, amen, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, extend your hands this way. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you. Excuse me, you must put some oil on your head, Chuck. We got the oil here, Robert. Take that lid. Father, in the name of Jesus, I anoint Chuck for what you called him to do. Lord, you've raised him up for a time such as this. Lord, he's well-trained. He's well-schooled in the Bible. He's well-schooled in the ways of the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I know, I know that I know that I know that you're the one that's made the way for this. You're the one that's opened the doors you have. And, Father, I just want to thank you that the gift of God inside of Chuck is going to bring him before great men. There's going to be people, Lord, crying out to hear what he's got to say. And I release, I release Chuck into this next phase for this ministry you've given unto him in the name of Jesus. And Satan, I say every evil spirit that you've assigned against him or his family try to hinder this or stop this or put confusion in it, I rebuke you by the blood of Jesus. And Father, I just want to thank you I want to thank you, Lord, that when he speaks, it will be the oracles of God. When he, when he plays music and the things that he does, Lord, there's going to be the glory of God in this atmosphere around. And everyone that you send, Lord, sent under this ministry, they're going to receive answers from heaven. They're going to be delivered. They're going to be set free. They're going to be filled with the Spirit. And, Lord, they're going to answer the call of God for their lives, fulfill your plan and purpose in the last days. Thank you, Jesus for your holy anointing on Chuck, on his family, on this ministry. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Love you, Chuck. Hallelujah. And, 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 and as I said, if you're sitting out there and you feel that you know in your heart there's things God's put in your heart to do, and it hasn't happened yet. 
Well, I like to say it this way sometimes. When there's anointing in a service like this, you need a little oomph. Oomph to help you get over the bump to get what's next. So if you if you want me to pray for you, because you know that you're at a standstill and you got you need something to help you get over this hump to get to the next place, come up here. I want to pray for you. God wants to do something for you to help you. Amen. Amen. And I, I want to say this. I want to say this too. As I pray for you, just remember this. This is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. If you feel something, that's good. If you don't feel something, that's okay. Because it's a spiritual thing. And when I lay hands on you, I'm a holy man of God with the Holy Spirit. You're holy people of God with the Holy Spirit. And so God has put in your hearts what you're up here about. He's the one that put it in there. He's the one, like like he had me say to Chuck, he's the one that's going to bring it to pass. But just know this, because this is a God thing, he had me call you up here. I lay hands on you. You've got to be willing to do what God puts in your heart to do next. There's the God part, and there's the your part. Okay? God's part is he puts something in your heart. Your part is you're crying out about it. Your part is you heard about coming up here today and you answered that. And so when I lay hands on you, you're going to see something clearly what to do for your next step to do. Anything that God asks you to do, you do it by faith. You don't wait on a sign. You don't wait on somebody to kick you out the door. When you see something to do, probably something really small to do, but it'll be the next step towards what God wants you to do. And so if you step out to take that step, whatever the next step is, then just know this. Most of the time, the anointing doesn't show up until you step out. When you step out, the anointing increases. And when the anointing increases, it makes you be able to do things that you couldn't do before because it's the Spirit of God in you. Greater hits you than hits in the world. So I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, just whisper out your lips or whatever you want to do is say, I want to thank you, Jesus. I've received that anointing to fulfill what you, what you have put in my heart to do, Jesus. I want to thank you. I've got that anointing. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands or whatever your receiving mode is. Father, I release the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. I release the anointing of God to be able to fulfill the plan and purpose of God. In Jesus' name, receive. In the name of Jesus, I release the Holy Spirit of God, the anointed of God, to do what the next phase is, to step out and do in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I receive. I receive from you what you have for Mike. I receive, and I release that anointing. I release that anointing into his life, and I just want to thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, Jesus. He's anointed to do it, and he'll step out and do it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release. I release your power. I release your spirit. I release your anointing into Nick's life. And, Father, I just want to thank you that Nick's a man of God that walks by faith and not by sight. He doesn't go by what he feels. He goes by what he knows in his heart from you. As he steps out, Lord, I want to thank you. He's going to see results. And he's going to say, wow, that was God. And I just thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for this soul winning machine. 
I want to thank you, this woman of God, Lord, that impacts people every day of her life. And Lord, I speak increase, increase, increase of anointing, increase of the things that it takes to be able to win the people to you that you've assigned her to. Thank you, Lord, for that anointing for more. In the name of Jesus. Father, I just want to thank you for your anointing going into Leanne. Lord, the things you have for her, she's been through a lot. But Lord, I know that the best is yet to come. And I know, Lord, that you're sure not through with her yet, Lord. You're only just beginning. I release that anointing. I release that power. I just want to thank you. As she sees what she sees and obeys you, you're going to back her up, Lord, as she follows your plan and purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for this woman of God, all the hard work she's done for the kingdom of God, followed after to get that degree and the things she's done there, Lord. I want to thank you that none of these things were in vain, all this work, labor, sacrifice, and at the same time doing all she can to increase the kingdom of God, Lord, what you got her in her heart to do now. I want to thank you, Jesus, for clarifying. I want to thank you for that next step. And, Lord, as she takes it, I just want to thank you that you're already there to meet her. It's going to come to pass in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I release. I release that anointing. I release that anointing. I just want to thank you that Elise, as she sees and knows by the Holy Ghost, as she goes forth with all you've got for her to do, Lord, going to change lives, going to change things. And, Lord, everybody's going to say, We know that Jesus has spoken to us today. Thank you for that anointing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as I lay hands on Veronica, I want to thank you that she was born again for a time such as this. Lord, as young as she is, I know you've only just begun to move in her life in a mighty way. And I release that spirit into her. And I just want to thank you that Veronica, Veronica is going to be led by the Spirit of God. Speak by the Spirit of God. Do things by the Spirit of God. As supernatural things are going to happen to change people's lives forever, Lord. Because greater is his of Veronica than he that is in the world. Thank you, Jesus, for that ump that she needs to step forth for the next phase of her life, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, how, aren't you glad we don't go to a dead church? Amen. Holy Ghost Church. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Amen. And you know, I just want to say this. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts talks a lot about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Ghost Holy Spirit one the same. But you talk about the Holy Ghost, you talk about power. You talk about supernatural. You talk about things happening. This stupid Messed up world right now, these Holy Ghost believers that talk about Jesus. Amen. And I want to tell you something else too. When you study the book of Acts, you're going to see that a lot of people can talk about God, but Holy Ghost people talk about Jesus. Amen. The more you speak the name of Jesus, the more results you're going to get in your life. Glory to God. Give the Lord a hand one more time. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't it good to be a part of a, a church that's got something going on, man? Some power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise this morning. Can we do that? 
Amen. God is good to us. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord because every day is a great day to be in the house of the Lord, man. I haven't found a bad yet day yet to go to church, man. Every day is a good day to be at church and to be with God's people studying God's word. Amen. All right. Well, today we're going to be uh, kind of wrapping up our our discussion and our series on covenant people. This is part five of our series. And if you'll recall over the last several weeks, we've been taking an in-depth look at what biblical covenants are, because as we've said, I'll just do a little bit of uh, a review here for us for a few minutes, but that word covenant is a Bible word. And you know, people in this world, they may have heard of covenants or they may, well, yeah, I know what that, but, but that's a Christian Bible word dating all the way back, obviously, big time to the Old Testament. And most people, even Christians, don't actually understand what that word means. And so what we've done is taken several weeks to study this out. And we've learned that a covenant is not just a contract, right? Uh, because this world would say, oh, yeah, I know what a covenant is. You sign a, you know, sign a piece of paper and both sides agree. Well, it's more than a piece of paper. Have we learned that? Amen. And it's more than just a promise, though it does entail these things, but it's much deeper. And as we've learned, a covenant is a promise. It is in some ways a contract, but even deeper than that, it's about the relationship that both sides enter into. And again, as we just take a little bit of review, we've seen covenants uh, all the way back to Genesis chapter 9. The very first covenant mentioned in scripture is when God made the covenant with Noah that he said would last for all of the rest of the earth, that he would never again flood the entire earth and destroy all living things with a flood. And so he said, I'll give you my rainbow as the sign and the promise that I will never again destroy all living things with a flood and God's kept his word. Well, there's been floods since then. Yeah, there's been floods since then, but God has never destroyed all living things again with a flood. And every time I see the rainbow, I think of Genesis chapter 9. God, you're good. God, you kept your word. Your covenant is still in effect even in 2021. And then we've obviously saw Abraham being one of the next covenants. We've seen the covenant of Moses and the covenant of David. And there's other covenants, but then praise God, where you and I live right now is in the New Testament under the new covenant and that this covenant wasn't paid for with the blood of a goat or a lamb or a sheep. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it's the best covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 tells us that you have a better covenant than Moses with better promises. And why could that be a better covenant? Because once again, this covenant was mediated and paid for by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, he said, whoa, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the best thing, the best news, the best thing that's ever happened to you and I, because of what Jesus did, now you, you, me, we can go directly into the presence of God Almighty by ourselves, anytime we want to. Pre-Jesus, pre-New Covenant, 
Only the high priest could go in to the presence of God. And he could only do it one time a year during Passover. But as you'll recall, we saw at the end of the book of Matthew, when Jesus was on that cross, when he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. At that moment, there was a shaking of the earth right there. Darkness fell all across the land and the temple and the curtain was ripped in half at the exact moment that Jesus' final breath left his body. He said it's finished. That curtain was 72 feet tall, four inches thick. It ripped in half from top to bottom. And that signifies that now the the, the veil is gone. The curtain is gone. Anybody that believes in Jesus and is a Christian, instantly they can go into God's presence themselves. There's no barrier. You, you right now in Barstow, California can go right in to God's presence. You don't got to go through the preacher. You don't have to go through somebody else. You go through the son, Jesus Christ, boldly to the throne of grace, as the New Testament tells us. And so some people are like, man, I know it would have been great, though, back then in the Old Testament to see those things. You have a better covenant with better promises, and they're jealous of you. I can promise you that right now. Because you can go into God's presence yourself and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You've got a good deal right there. Amen. And so some of these covenants we look at, it's like, that's not a fair deal at all. That's not fair at all. One party's obviously getting the better end of that deal. And I'm telling you, we got the better end of this deal in this covenant with Jesus. You got some good stuff coming to you, and all we have to offer is our life. Jesus gave his life for mine? That's not fair. The perfect person, the best person ever, came and exchanged. You know what? You give me your life, and I'll give mine for you. That wasn't a fair deal at all because his life is so much better. It's worth so much more, but he did it anyway. So what I'm trying to tell you today is this. You've got a really good deal. You've got a really good covenant and blessings that belong to you. In part four, we were looking at just a little bit of the blessings that belong to you. But what I want to do today is this. I want to show you how it is that you are going to walk in your covenant blessings and receive them because you do have a part to play in it. You do have a part to play in order to unlock the the covenant and unlock the blessings. You have a role to play in it. And thank God it's not as complicated as the Old Testament law of Moses where I think we said there's what 611 or something laws that you had to keep. And if you broke even one, then you were guilty of breaking all of them. Aren't you glad you don't live under that? I mean, you maybe made a mistake, you know, you told a lie, but now, hey, you might as well have just killed somebody because you broke all the, all the other laws all at once because they're all connected. Thank God you live under the new covenant. But what I want to do today is show you how you unlock and you walk in the covenant blessings that belong to you because far too many Christians are living well below the covenant and well below the promises and well below what God has planned for you. God has good things planned for you. Who knows that? I mean, that's not just something we say. That's not just a, a cliche phrase that Christians use. You better recognize and realize that God has good planned for you. Good, not evil. Blessings, not curses. He wants the best for you, but you're going to have to do your part of it. 
Alright, and so we're going to take a look at the New Testament today about what you need to do on your end to walk in the fullness of the blessing. Who's excited to study the Word of God with us today? Amen? I love God's word. Let's pray, and we're going to dive right into scripture here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we do indeed have a better covenant based on better promises, because our covenant is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not based on the blood of an animal, and it's not based upon us ourselves. It's based on Jesus. And Lord, I pray today that as we study your word, you'll speak to us, you'll tell us what we need to hear, and you will open our eyes, God. We don't just want information today. We want revelation. Lord, we want to hear from you and we want to see what you need us to see. We love you for it. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. And so we're going to look at three keys today of what you need to walk in for you to begin receiving and walking in the fullness of your covenant. Now, of course, anytime I, I you know, I preach something like this, somebody could be more complex and, and add more angles and things. But I'm talking about three primary things that you need to see and walk in today as a new covenant new testament christian number one the biggest thing here is number one faith you have to be a person of faith that is the biggest key to being a new covenant new testament christian and so what i want you to do today is look at galatians chapter three galatians chapter three amen galatians three and we're going to look at a few verses here but who is happy that they live under the new covenant based on Jesus? Amen. I'm happy that I live under the new covenant, the New Testament with Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I've got the written word of God that I can read every single day. And I've got Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. It's an exciting time to be alive. Amen. And so Galatians 3 And we're going to look here at verses 10 through 12. Now look at this. We're in the NLT, Galatians 3, verse 10. But those who depend on the law, that's talking about the law of Moses, to make them right with God are under his curse. What? For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Well, man, I obey, you know, I obey as the as much of the of the law as I can obey. That's good. But if you don't obey every single detail, then you're actually cursed. Look at this, verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And the King James says the just shall live by Faith, verse 12, this way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And so as a New Testament, New Covenant Christian, are you born again because you obey all of the law of the Old Testament? No, that's not how you're saved. You are saved by faith. The just shall live by faith. The righteous person has life by faith. And so as a new covenant person, faith is the number one biggest 
aspect of your entire life is faith. That's how we obey God. That's how we receive salvation. It's through faith. And now, that verse 11 there is is a a, a quite a well-known verse because it says, the just shall live by faith. And that is repeated in several other New Testament scriptures uh, in Romans, Galatians, all over the place. The just shall live by faith, not by good works, though I believe in doing good works. Who believes that you should do good works? You should obey the Bible. I would say the old, most of the Old Testament law is good stuff for you to obey even today. That's good, but that's not how I'm saved. The just shall live by faith, not by some other thing, by faith. And so maybe you've heard of Martin Luther, right? Back in the 1500s, Martin Luther uh, started the Protestant Reformation. He's the guy that broke uh, broke off from the Catholic Church and began uh, what we are would be considered today Protestants, right? Uh, the, 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 really the, the biggest sect of Christianity, the Protestant Reformation, the Protestant Church. And so Martin Luther, he had tried his entire life. He was German in the 1500s. He tried his entire life to just be good enough. Man, if I can just do enough good things, maybe God will finally love me. Maybe if I could just, uh, you know, uh, do enough penance. Maybe if I could just do enough deeds. Maybe if I could just say enough, you know, uh, just say the rosary enough time. You know, all these things. If I could just do that enough, maybe God will find it. And he lived his life with a tremendous sense of guilt all over him. And, and so he's like, well, you know what? I'll just dedicate my whole life. I'll become a monk. And so he becomes a monk and he still feels guilty all the time that he's not worthy. He's not doing enough. He can't do enough good things to earn the love of God. And then he finds these verses one day and says, wait a minute. It's not through doing a bunch of good things. It's not through living a perfect life that I earn the love of God. The just shall live by faith. I have to believe. It's by faith that I become a Christian. It's by faith that I receive eternal life. I don't have to earn the love of Jesus. Jesus already loves me anyway. Isn't that really good news that you... You know you. You don't have to wait for Jesus to love you until you finally earn his love. Because I know, speaking for me, there's no way I would ever be good enough to earn the love of Jesus. But that's why we've got a beautiful thing called grace. That Jesus loves me and I don't deserve it. But he loves me so much anyway that he would die on a cross to save me from hell. To save me from myself. And what I got to do to receive that is believe in him. I got to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And then I am saved. The just shall live by faith. Amen. And so, you know, as somebody once 
I was, I was laughing about this as I was writing this. I remember someone left a few years ago and like, man, all they ever do is talk about faith over there. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on. Don't cut us short there. Yes, that's what we talk about all the time. But I don't just talk about faith. I live by faith. Amen. Don't cut us short. Yeah, we talk about faith all the time. Every service, every time that I nearly open my mouth, I'm talking about faith because that's how I live. That's why I'm alive. It is faith in God and his word that I made it through cancer when I was three. Amen. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in God and his word. Why I'm even alive today. Man, don't just say that I talk about faith all the time. I do a lot more than that. I live every day, every moment of my life by faith. And I know all you guys do too. We live by faith. And I realize that this verse is talking about inheriting eternal life by faith, but I believe we can absolutely make this application to it that the righteous person, the just person, the born-again Christian lives their everyday life by faith. Well, why would we even say that? Hebrews 11.6. Let's look at Hebrews 11.6. We're just getting warmed up, guys. You better buckle up. We're getting ready to go somewhere. Who's excited for the word of God today? Amen. Who in here would say that I live my life by faith? Amen. I live my life by faith. And I don't ever get tired of hearing about faith. And why do we take faith so seriously? Well, the just person, the righteous, live their lives based on faith. Everything that we do is based on faith. But Hebrews 11.6 says this about it. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. And so faith is such an important part of our new covenant relationship because we live by it. But it's impossible to please God without faith. You will never make God happy without faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. And so you can never take faith too seriously. There's never a moment in time where, well, I don't think we should talk about faith anymore. You better talk about faith every day of your life. You better realize that faith is the key ingredient to everything that you've got going on in your life. And I love the last part of this verse. God rewards those who sincerely, who diligently seek him. There's a reward for faith. There's a reward for the person that sincerely, they may not be perfect. They may not be perfect, but they're sincere. And you know what? When they screw up, they confess their sin to the Lord. When they miss it, they own up to it, and they talk to Jesus, and they repent about it. They're not perfect, but there's a reward for the person that sincerely and diligently seeks Him. And I love that, because God's a good God. And if you've been told otherwise, you've been told wrong. He's a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants good things in your life. And he wants the absolute best for your life. He rewards those who sincerely and diligently seek him. Your whole life 
better be based on faith. Because listen, the day and age that we live in, you're going to have to start believing for some things that you can't see yet. You're going to have to start claiming some things and standing on some things that you can't see yet. But you better know that you've got promises from God's word. People, well, you know what's coming up next? You know what? Whatever, man. Because I am believing in God's word. Yeah, well, I can't see it. That's fine, man. That's fine. I can't see it with these yet either. But in my heart, I see the promises of God. And I receive them. And I walk on them. Amen? So if you are going to walk in and receive the fullness of the covenant blessings, the biggest thing is, number one, you've got to have faith. And then the second thing I'm going to talk about is this, is love. Love. Now, as important as faith is to the New Testament Christian, love is faith's brother. (laughs) They work hand in hand. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? They go together, and you've got to have both of these things. So faith may be the vehicle That gets us there, but love is the fuel that makes the vehicle run. In fact, Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. Well, I thought faith just worked by praying a whole bunch. Well, that's nice, but that's not what it says. Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. And so you may be praying, you may be standing, you may be claiming, you may be doing everything you know what to do. But if you are not walking in love with other people, you are not getting anywhere. You have a really shiny car with no gas in it. Well, I drive a Tesla. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about a car that takes gas, right? Listen, you may, well, I know more Bible verses. I I pray more than anybody else. That's good. You've got a shiny car, but if you don't love other people, you are not going anywhere. In fact, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. One, he said, in fact, my dad just referenced this verse, but if I could speak all the languages, all the tongues of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Think about that. That's what God hears. If you, you man, I, well, I speak in all the tongues. I, 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 I know all the prayers. I know I can pray more eloquently and beautifully than anybody else. And if you don't love other people, all God hears is a noisy cymbal and a clanging gong. Gong. And you think that you sound so good. You think that you sound so pretty. You think that you just got it together. But if you don't treat other people right, all you're doing is making an annoying sound to God. Think about that. And so many people wonder why. Well, I just don't get it, man. I don't know why this stuff isn't working for me. I don't know why I am not walking in the covenant. I mean, the Bible promises this clearly right here. This is my covenant right here. And I know all the words. I know all the things to say. But if you have not love, none of it matters. You will get nothing accomplished and nothing done in your life. The keys to walking in the new covenant blessings. You've got to have faith and you've got to have love. Other than faith, there's nothing more important as a New Testament Christian than loving other people. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm not talking about people that are easy to love. I'm especially talking about people that are difficult to love and get along with. Can I get a hearty amen? 
You guys look like I just took your toys away from you at Christmas time. Listen, I'm not taking it away. I'm trying to hand blessings into your life. I'm not trying to mess you up. But look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now stick with me. We're, we're going to help you. Matthew chapter 5. Amen. But love is key. Faith and love. You've got to have these two things. And most people are like, man, I'm all about that faith stuff. Tell me about that. Hook me up, brother. Whoa, love? What's that about? Yeah, I, I love people that love me. I get along with my best friends. I get along. I'm not talking about that. And as you can see, uh, you'll see here in a minute, Jesus is not impressed one lick when you're nice and loving to people that are nice and loving to you anyway. That doesn't impress Jesus. That don't impress me much. Oh. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47 Jesus says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And you're like, a tax collector? Man, a tax collector was the most hated person in Israel back then. They were mean. They were Romans, usually. And they were, well, a lot of them were Jewish guys that worked for the Romans, which was even worse. And so... If there's anybody you hated, it was a tax collector. And Jesus says, listen, even the tax collectors love those who love them. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Now, I want to read this in the Message Bible because, again, uh, there's just some good wording to this sometimes. And so look at this. The Message Bible puts it this way. Throw that on the screen. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Listen. So many Christians, so many people, they're not getting it. They're like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm nice to that, that guy. He bought me lunch one day. I'm nice to him every day now. Thank you, Jesus. I received the covenant. There's no reward in that. Well, yeah, this guy over here, he had my back this time at work. And so me and him now, you know, I'd always be there for him. Bravo. Even a sinner would do that. Even a run-of-the-mill rank sinner is nice to people that are nice to them, usually speaking, right? There's no bonus. There's no reward for that. What you are called to do as a New Testament Christian is love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Bless those who spitefully use you. You're supposed to go the extra mile. Turn the other cheek. And if you want to start walking in God's blessings, I'm giving you the keys today. The keys to the kingdom. So many people think that it's a complicated thing. It's not. You've got to have faith, number one. And you've got to love other people, number two. And we're not talking about the lovely people. We're talking about the difficult people. And so there's no new covenant reward or bonus for being nice to and loving people that are already nice to you. The blessing shows up when you love those who don't love you. 
The blessing shows up when you're nice to people that are not nice to you. According to the Message Bible, the blessing shows up when you greet and say hello to people that don't go out of their way to greet and say hello to you. You want the blessings of God? You need to start doing this stuff right there. Hey, it, the old covenant, you had to obey 600 and some things. God says, hey, listen, you got to have faith. It's impossible to ease God without faith, but you're going to have to love other people. And in fact, this love business, and, and let me just put my disclaimer out there that especially in 2021, everybody has, when I say the word love, when we bring the word love up, there's so many different ideas and twisted interpretations of that word that it's, it's difficult to even talk about it, right? Because we think nowadays that love means that, well, you just, you don't ever disagree with anybody. You don't ever, you know, every, that means you just approve of every little thing everybody ever does. And if you don't, you don't love them. That's a lie from hell that is sending people to hell by the basketful every single day. I'm not talking about some manufactured, made up, stupid, twisted, millennial definition of love. I'm talking about God's definition of love. And it's a dangerous thing to put your own interpretation and your own definition on God's words. That'll screw you up. That'll get you in trouble. I know it says that, but what I feel it means is this. What you feel, your feelings can send you to hell. I'm not going to twist the Bible. I'm not going to twist God's word. And so what we're talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is not our modern day, whatever we think it means, living my own truth. Now, somebody said that the other day. I'm like, shut up, man. Your truth is a lie according to the Bible. Yeah, well, but I just feel so much better now that I live my definition of the truth. I don't want to live my definition of the truth. I want to live God's definition of the truth. Amen? And so that's what I'm talking about. And so love, according to the Bible, is not what everybody may think it is. Now, maybe you do have the right concept, but there's a good chance you don't. What the scripture is talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is the agape unconditional love of God. No strings attached. The love of God. And sometimes the love of God will tell you you're wrong if it'll save you from a train wreck. Sometimes the love of God will say, you better turn that around right now or you're going to kill yourself and send yourself where you don't want to go. That's the love of God. And so Matthew chapter 22, we're already in Matthew 5. Let's just go over to Matthew chapter 22. Can we do that? Matthew 22 and we're going to look at verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And so another reason that love is so important for you under your new covenant is that it is our only New Testament commandment. Really? Yes. Matthew 22. We're going to look at verses 36 through 40. Now check this out. Matthew 22, 36. Are we there? Mike and my mom are there. Is anyone else there? Okay, I just wanted to, all right, I don't want to go without you. I want you to go with me. All right, Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. Look at this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And Paul went in later on in the New Testament to explain the entire law and all the prophets, every law that was ever given to combat sin can be summed up and cured with these two commands. Love God and love people. If I love God, I'm not going to put anything else above him, am I? Well, that cures idolatry. That cures not wanting to go to church. That cures not wanting to be a tither. If I love God, then I'm going to do all those things simply out of my love for him. If I love my fellow man, I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to curse him and cuss at him. I'm not going to covet his possessions and his wife. I'm not going to do any of these things. If I love God, I'll obey his word. Even if it says things that I don't want it to say, I will still obey it simply out of my love for God. Simple. And number two, if I love other people, I don't need a whole bunch of other laws to tell me to not steal from them or kill them or cuss them or curse them or damage their life. I will simply love them enough to not do any of those things to them. And so why is love such a key to the New Testament, New Covenant Christian? Because all the law and the prophets, all of it can be summed up and boiled down into love. Love God and love people. It's boiled down to that. And until we start walking in this, we are not going to walk in the fullness of the blessing. And so I want you to look here at back at Matthew chapter 5. All right, I know we're flipping back and forth there. Matthew chapter 5, but I've got to get you to see why love is such a key thing. Who believes love is important? Who believes God's definition of love is especially important? So Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, love is key. God's kind of love. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look here at uh, at verse, uh, verses 23 and, and 24. And this is an interesting, uh, interesting little thing, uh, thing that Jesus said here. It's interesting. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 23 in the the New King James, Jesus says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's interesting. Yeah, that's something else. That 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 if you're at the altar wanting to pour it out, one day to give your your offering, wanting to give your sacrifice of praise, wanting to give it all to God, and you remember that there's beef between you and your brother, he said, just drop it right there, go handle that situation, and then come back and handle things with God. That's a pretty serious thing that Jesus said right there that not too many people want to do. A lot of people, they like the feeling. They like the anointing. They like the experience of being at the altar and singing praises. I like that. Anyone in here that you like being at the altar of God, pouring out your heart, talking to God, let him talk to you. I love walking my tithe up. So it's not so I can be seen of men. That's stupid. It's so I can present it and lay it down at God's holy altar. And I'm speaking words of faith the whole way up there. But I love the altar of God. 
But Jesus is saying, it's such a holy thing. It's such a holy place. Before you handle your business with God at the altar, handle your business with your brother in love before you handle your business with God. Woo! I like the new covenant because it's so much easier. It is in a lot of ways, but... There is some stuff that you've got to do to walk under that new covenant. Look at, again, one more time how the Message Bible words this. I, I promise it's the last time I'm going there today. But, but look, this is how the Message Bible words this. Verse 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship about to make an offering... You suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. What a way of saying that. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Well, why is all that? Well, I... Rewind and refresh your memory to 1 Corinthians 13.1. If we're praying and we're claiming and we're spitting and we're preaching and we're <laughs> prophesying and we're doing everything else. Woo! And we're living that Pentecostal life that we love. But we aren't loving other people. All God hears when you're saying all that is gong, gong. Do you know how annoying it is when kids just bang on cymbals? I do. I do. I've got kids and they like to hit symbols. They like to, they like to make incessant noises. Do you, your kids ever just make stupid noises? I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm not putting down on my kids. I love them. You know my heart. Walter, I always go back to you. Me and Walter just have this understanding here that we love our kids just more than anything. But listen, listen, sometimes they just make really irritating noises. And at that moment, when they're just, you know, one day, Joel, he, when he was younger, he would just go around just like, one day, I'm sitting there reading my Bible. The boy walks through the living room with cowboy boots on and a slice of pepperoni pizza in his pocket. I'm like, hold on. Did you just walk by with a piece of pizza in your pocket? Now, on one hand, I was like, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? You just got it right there. You can eat pizza anytime. I was proud of that. But at the same time, in those moments when your kids are making noises, at that moment, hey, Dad, can you go buy me the new Air Jordans? That is not the time to ask me for what you want right then. All I hear is, I hear that. And there's some Christians, they're out there, man, I can't stand this guy. They're causing strife, they're fighting, they're unforgiving everybody around them. God, I need this car. God, I need this house. God, I need this job. God, pour out a fresh rain upon me. And all he hears is, gong, gong. All he hears is a clanging, loud, annoying cymbal and a gong because Without love, if I have not love, I am nothing. The new covenant's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting stuff. There's a lot of stuff promised to you in there. Peace, provision, healing, salvation, the joy of the Lord. All of these things are promised to you. But you're going to have to have faith to believe for them. You're going to have to walk in love so God will hear your prayers. It's a serious 
business. And my dad was just talking about his book, and I was going to bring this up, that, that in this book, one of the whole main premise, one of the whole main words that God spoke to him is for an end times move of God, we're going to have to have three big things, right? Prayer, leadership, and unity. And I believe that's a word from God for the end times. Prayer, everyone knows that, though most people don't really want to do it that much. Prayer, leadership, uh, people know that, and unity. And I believe that is a revelation word from God for us in the end times New Testament body of Christ. That unity, that represents love. When Jesus comes back, is he going to have to come back and say, oh gosh, they're fighting again. I thought surely this would be, no. He said he's come back for a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. He wants to come back for mature Christians, not a bunch that just can't get along with anybody that doesn't, you know, isn't exactly like them. He's coming back for a glorious church, a unified church. And I believe with all of my heart that Satan right now wants to stop the church, the body of Christ from praying. He wants to stop the body of Christ from having godly leaders rise up. And he especially wants to stop the body of Christ right before he comes back from being unified and walking in love with each other. Why does Satan want to attack you from walking in love? Because he knows that it's going to tie your hands. You're a, a Christian that doesn't walk in love, they're basically useless. I didn't say they're worthless. They're basically useless. They're not, they got no power. They're going to get no prayers answered. They're useless. They're no threat to the devil. They're their own worst enemy. They're rebuking the devil and they should be rebuking themselves. So many people, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. But what if you're the weapon that's formed against you? Listen, this love thing is a serious business. And so right before Jesus comes back and we're right there, the devil wants Christians not unified, not walking in love, because for one, your faith works by love, so that just sidelines you. You're on the bench now, and we can't even use you in the game. But also, it's going to not open up the door for you to walk in the covenant blessings that God has for you. Oh, no, why? They talk about that peace stuff. I never have none of that. I don't ever have no joy. I never have enough money. I never have enough healing. I never got... It's all there, and the price has been paid. You need faith to believe God for it. You need love so your faith will actually work. And number three, you need a beautiful word called obedience. Obedience. In fact, it tells us that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Obedience is a big deal in the new covenant, New Testament kingdom of God. And so it's one thing to hear all the stuff that we've said today and and all that, but it's a whole other level to actually obey it. I mean, most Christians, they like to hear the word of God. But listen, hearing the word of God is not enough. Don't say that. No, no, I'm going to say that because the Bible says that. Being a hearer of God's word is not good enough. You have to actually be a doer 
of God's word. James 1.22. A lot of you already know this. A lot of you already know this first. And if you don't know it, know it. Today's your day to learn it. James 1.22. But if you're going to walk in these new covenant blessings and all that God has for you, it's going to take faith. It's going to take love. And it's going to take obedience from you. James 1.22 in the New King James, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, or else you're deceiving yourselves. You're deceiving yourselves. And there's so many people that they're deceived. They're like, well, I know the Bible says this. I know it says that. In fact, I'll even claim that. I'll even quote that. I'll even say that. But it's not enough to know it. It's not enough to claim it and to speak it and to read it. Those are all good things, but they don't work until you actually do it. You don't get to heaven. You don't receive salvation simply by knowing that Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you have to do it. Am I right? Amen. You got to do it. It's not enough to just know that the Bible says to love your enemies. You actually have to do it. It's not enough to just know that the Bible says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. And if you're going to open up your new covenant blessings, if you're going to receive the promises of God, you have to be obedient to what the Bible says. You have to obey. You have to be a doer. I like to be around people that are doers. I like to be around people that don't just talk a lot. I would rather be around people that actually do something. And so as a Christian, I'm just encouraging you. I'm instructing you. I'm preaching to you today that if you've been excited and, and, and you've learned anything at all out of everything we've studied the last several weeks, the last five weeks, you've got to know this. If you're going to receive God's promises, it takes faith. It takes love, an absolute insane amount of love, but it also takes obedience to God's word. And what's the real danger in not obeying? You want to know the real danger? You live a life of deception. And the worst part is, it's not the devil deceiving you. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. Oh, they tricked me. You tricked yourself. You deceived yourself. And I don't want to be deceived by anybody. But how embarrassing is it when you are the one that has deceived yourself? You've been holding the wool over your own eyes. You've been blinding yourself. And it's real easy. A lot of people, they want to blame the devil. Oh, the devil. Oh, he, that old devil, he got one on me this time. That old devil, he sure fooled me. That old devil. And the devil's like, well, thanks for the credit. I receive it. But really, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. You, you really, you really threw me the assist on this one. You're my wingman. No, listen. It says right here, you're deceiving yourself. If you only hear the word, but you never do it. And so what I'm bringing it all in today is this. As a new covenant Christian, if you want all these blessings, and believe me, you want them and you need them, it's going to take faith. It's going to take the love of God in your heart. And it's going to take obeying the word of God that you know. And I, I want you to know this, man, that 
God wants better for you than you even want for yourself. God has better for you. In fact, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could even tell the things that God has in store for those that love him. God, if you could even, you can't even imagine what God wants to do in your life, but I can promise you this, it will never happen without faith, without the love of God, and without obedience to God's word. And so, don't you dare leave this place today saying, amen, that was, that was, that was all right. That was good stuff. If you have no intentions of obeying the Bible, even the parts that you don't like, even the parts that rough you up a little bit, even the parts that rub you wrong, you, if you want to receive, be prepared to obey. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together. Amen. Who's ready to receive the blessings of God? Who's ready to obey the word of God? Amen. Well, I'm going to have our altar team come up here, our altar ministry. And as you know, we are wonderfully back to the place where we've got our altars open at the end of service here. If you need prayer for anything today, we're going to make that opportunity available. I'm going to have Josh lead us in a, a worship song here. And so... If you just need to talk to God, talk to God right where you're at. Uh, if you just need to worship God, just worship God where you're at. But if you need prayer, if you need agreement for any area of your life, you can come on up to anybody up here, and we would love to pray for you. Amen? Let's go ahead and worship God together. Uh, old things have passed away. Your love has stayed. The same, your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their hope the orphans now have a home all that was lost has found its place in you you lift our weary head you make us strong 
Instead, you took these rags and you made us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out on our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we been glad to be in the presence of God today. Amen. In the house of the Lord together. God is good to us. Amen. I just love gathering. Amen. It says we're two or more gathered in my name. Jesus said to gather. You need to gather. You need to be at church. You need to show up. Amen. And be together with the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and close things down here. But praise God, we got service tonight at six o'clock. Or amen. And then prayer, warfare prayer is at five o'clock. So we're going to have another fun, jam-packed, power-packed evening tonight. And uh, of course, lots of good stuff coming up. Remember, uh, we've got uh, the t-shirt contest starting Friday, July 23rd. And also, big news is my dad's 70th birthday, that Sunday night service, July 18th. Amen. And so... Mark your calendar now. We're just, we're not having regular, we're not having service tonight. We're just having a big party Sunday night, July 18th. So I want everybody to be here. Everybody be here that night. We're going to have a great big family celebration. Amen. All right. Let's pray over you and then we'll.
speak some words of faith over Barstow, and we will let you go. Amen. Let's raise our hands together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen today. We thank you for what we have experienced today, Lord. We thank you that... We showed up and you showed up and you worked in our lives, God. We're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, that we're taking this word with us. Lord, we will be the light of the world just like you told us to be in Matthew 5. We'll be the light of the world to Barstow and the high desert and everywhere else that we are. Use us this week to show your love. Use us this week to show the covenant of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus name. Amen. We'll see you tonight.